0: Because there's, like, one love scene in that book. Or maybe there's a couple in that first book. And my friend going, like, well, I guess this is what you do. And it's like, oh! But, like... It's like, do you think that every person in this book is based on someone I know and some experience that I've had? Like, that's amateur hour. Of course, you're using your imagination. Like, of course, everyone's influenced, but you're not just writing about the people in your lives. Like, Mm. you know, you're making things up and you're influenced by movies and other books. And and then you're just you get and you get caught up in the world of your own characters. And in some cases, you'll hear many authors say this the book starts to write itself because you're in this energetic space of these characters mm. you've created and they're they're running the show they're writing the scenes
1: welcome to medium lady talks i'm your host Erin Vandeven. i'm a millennial and mother trying to build the place in the world that's made for me while fighting burnout, living intentionally, and embracing gratitude, even when I'm grumpy. Here on Medium Lady Talks, we visit the topics and practical tips that will help you maximize self-discovery and minimize self-judgment so you can finally get momentum building the life you know is possible in this post-pandemic world. On this podcast, you can expect we'll get deep while having fun. And whether you're burnt out like a dog in a dumpster fire or celebrating your best life daily, you'll find the conversations, prompts, and tools I know will be helpful on your own personal healing journey. So stay tuned for my deep dive solo shows and interview episodes with dear friends and expert guests. Together, we'll make sure you have what you need to build the place in the world that's made for you. I'm so glad you're here so let's jump in. Welcome to Medium Lady Talks. I'm your host, Erin, and today is another amazing conversation with an inspiring woman. I'm here with Danielle Hines, who is a writing coach and author of the Sweetwood series, and we're going to continue the trend for the last few episodes, which has been about how to get out of your own way And really wanting to encourage our audience to think about what's deeply inspiring to them and where they might want to take action in their own lives to either have a rich creative life or to pursue maybe a passion or to try something new and step outside of their comfort zone or to show up in their own life in new ways that are aligned with their identities and perhaps maybe trading off a little bit on the things that other people expect from them. So, Danielle, welcome to the show. I'm so happy to have you here. Thank
0: you for having me. It's great to be
1: here. Now, Danielle, you and I are, we have one degree of separation through my sister, Hannah. Yes, yes. (laughs) Who's a good friend of yours. Yes. But why don't you tell the Medium Lady audience a little bit about who you are and what you're all about? Sure.
0: So, um, I'm a writer. I'm an author of, of two books. And I help other writers as well. So I'm a a writing coach and an editor. And um, that's pretty much how I get to spend my time these days, which is really awesome. So I, I believe in the power of storytelling. That's, you know, how I like to express my creative side. And I love being able to empower other people to tell their stories, too.
1: Oh, my gosh. So you're in the right place today. Because I think that's going to be one of the main messages is for people who want to share their stories.
0: Hmm.
1: How do they start? How do they get out of their own way? A lot of people think like, I have a story I'd like to share, but maybe it's not that important. It's not as good as the next story. Yeah, it's not as good as all those other stories out of out there.
0: I think, you know, that impulse to want to tell your story like that, that comes from somewhere that uh, that's not just nothing. That's not just like wanting attention. Um, the impulse to tell your story usually means there's someone who needs to hear it. And so I think it's about finding the medium that you're most comfortable with, whether that's, you know, painting, drawing, sewing, uh, writing, singing, whatever whatever that is for you. Maybe it's even just like inviting people out for coffee and having just deep conversations. Those can be highly creative, you know? So I think just listening to that, that impulse to tell your story is is enough to start
1: to start. And then so then you're listening to that impulse, you're paying attention to it. At what point for you did where when did that impulse to write your own stories show up? So I kind of got forced into it. <laughs> <laughs> it, it it's
0: funny, because I would tell people that I was going to write a book and I, like, you know, at parties or whatever. And because I, I, I always had this I would write little short stories here and there, but never really acted on it until like 2009. My kids were little, little. And uh, my husband at the time, we were like, we were struggling financially. And he had started this side hustle online, like online marketing was like this new thing. Mm -hmm. And then he got a new job and he couldn't do it anymore. So I had two little kids and I thought, okay, well, I'll take over. And a big part of this online marketing thing was blogging. So I started writing these blogs, these sort of inspirational blogs, and then slowly, slowly they became more personal. And so that's that's how it started for me and um, grew from there.
1: Going from blog writing to the publication process yeah. or going from short form writing, yeah. which has a purpose to serve an audience in a specific period of time to something like fiction. Yeah. I mean that feels like a pretty big leap to me. It was a big leap. Um,
0: you know, I would say that that writing comes fairly natural to me and so mm-hmm. the growth wasn't there wasn't a, like a lot of grunt work involved. Mm. But but what happened was in you know between 2009 and 2011, my marriage at the time started to fall apart. Mm. And so it, the when was it? Probably spring of 2011. Um, my husband at the time started to question his sexuality. So huge, like blow to me and to us. And yeah, I'm frantic about you know losing my family. And writing became a source of solace for me. And then I mm. heard about this thing called National Novel Writing Month.
1: Yeah. And
0: so it's NanoRIMO. It's it takes place in November. So November of 2011. I decide this is how I'm going to save my family. I'm going to write a best-selling novel, and it's going to solve all our problems. I'm not thinking this consciously. This is all sort of running under, you know, subconsciously. But I think I'm, I'm going to take this on. And it was a way of running from my problems, too. So was writing. Okay. writing was definitely a source of solace. But this, like, deep dive and, like, you know, throwing all my energy into this one thing, aside from my kids, was definitely, like... a a little bit of a way of running from my problems. So I wrote a novel in one month. I wrote 50,000 words in 30 days in the month of November. And then, um, you know, just by sheer force of will and like hustle and grit and all of that, I was able to get it published by the spring of 2013. Wow. Yeah.
1: Yeah. So before we get to like the hooray, you published a book. Yeah, you said by sheer force of will. Yeah. Can you paint the picture of that? Because for me, there was like,
0: for me, the goal setting was, it wasn't coming from this place of like contentment and alignment and knowing who I was.
1: Mm. It was coming
0: from, I need to hit these goals to prove that I'm good enough. Because this like this huge part of my life is falling apart. I'm a failure there. You know, this is what I'm believing. And um, so I need to have this thing where I prove that, that I'm good enough. And so that's where I threw all my effort. And to, it was just to try and make, if I can make this thing good, then maybe I'm worthwhile kind of a thing. Right. So right. do I think that I would have published a novel regardless? Probably. But I think it would have taken me a little bit
1: longer. Mm. So you were racing to the finish line of good enough. Exactly. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, Yeah, I've been there. I think that's pretty relatable. You know, I think even a lot about my own desire to create a podcast or my own desire to share my own story with others. You know, I'd love to write a book someday. I think that it does in some ways sometimes come from a sense of shame and a sense of chasing the evidence that you are okay, that mm. you're good enough, yeah. that you're able to show to other people that I wrote a book, so I must be fine. Yeah, But I can imagine that in 2013, you know, you've got these two parallel processes. One of them is ending mm-hmm. and one of them is beginning your career as an author.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, how did it feel in 2013 when that book finally was published?
0: So the book came out, Um, spring of 2013, and my marriage ended two months later. Wow. So I I didn't even have the the wherewithal, I didn't have the time (laughs) to give that book Mm -hmm. a chance even. Um, I was a single mom, Mm -hmm. and I was the primary caregiver. And Mm -hmm. so my career as an author for all intents and purposes was put on hold to be a mom and um and pay the bills by any means necessary Mm -hmm. so I took a lot of um back-end jobs I worked for my brother for a time which was wonderful that to have that opportunity because I could work you know flexible hours because he's my brother Mm -hmm. and it there was like 10 years in between my first and my second book, because not only did I not really have the time to be working on a novel, like, some people can churn them out really quickly. And I think if you, I I think that that's, that's cool. Um, I, I couldn't lend any more strength to something that didn't make me money. (laughs) So, so I still wrote every day. I wrote every day but it was like in short chunks. So I would write blogs, or I would write, um, there's like these little writing challenges on Twitter, or there used to be I'm not I haven't been on Twitter in a while, that you know, the theme would change daily. And so you write, you know, 140 characters about the the theme. Mm -hmm. But the point was, I was writing every day. So I kept, I kept that up. But Mm -hmm. my focus had to shift to really supporting my family emotionally and financially. So
1: Okay, so let's take another pause because that's a really big permission slip, Danielle. Mm. I think that we're talking about motivating people to take that step into the thing that they feel is sort of calling to them. You Mm -hmm. had sort of said, if you have an impulse to share yourself with others by some creative medium or by some form of expression, then... You're eventually going to find a way to do so. And if we want to encourage you to do so, Mm -hmm. one of the reasons people might say, I can't write, I can't draw, I can't start a photography hobby because I cannot lend any more strength to something that isn't going to make me money. Yeah. Those are your exact words. Let's like, there's a lot of permission there. I think that's okay. That's okay. If that's the season of life that you find yourself in and there are these desires What are the what's the advice you have? Because you've talked about some ways that you sort of continue to nurture yourself as a writer, Mm -hmm. despite that's a that's a very bold boundary to set to say, I have energy and strength in my tank. And what I have left has to be put towards supporting my family as a single mom.
0: Yeah, I think, you know, like you said, I think there is power in leaning into the seasons of your life. So, mm-hmm. you know, having a sort of radical acceptance about where you are and how much you can give. And, you know, there, I, I don't remember who said it It's a pretty common saying, like we can have it all, maybe just not at all at once. So once my kids were older and more self-sufficient and doing things more on their own, I then had, and like, I, am a big proponent of therapy. And, and so, there was a lot of healing that had to take place in in my family and and myself, that also created emotional space to to be able to put myself um, in more of a role of uh, of an author and and take the time to, to write as well. So I was definitely writing on weekends, and mm-hmm. when normally I would have been taking my kids to the park, like but now they're hanging out with friends. So so just. Um, Rec- like giving yourself a break in that sense, mm-hmm. and um, if there's just little things that you can do towards your goal while you're do- dealing with the other things in life, whatever that might be, then like let that be enough, and and take take pride in it and enjoy it as much as possible. And you know, I think we don't. And there's nothing wrong with having the goal of being on the New York Times bestsellers list. But it,
1: oh my God. No, we n- want, if that's what you want, we want that for you. Absolutely. We're going to cheer you all the way. Yeah, that's right.
0: Absolutely. Um, but like, enjoy, enjoy the journey too. You know, like mm. laugh about the fact that like you have a hundred followers on TikTok, like, yeah. you know what I mean? Like, so, you know, <laughs> but um, I think holding your desires loosely and trusting life at the same time, like trusting yourself and trusting life the process of life because things things have happened to me and i'm sure to everyone listening that you didn't want <laughs> you know like yeah. like we're just crappy things but they yeah. led you to something better and and so there there comes a point in your life and i'm a little bit older than you So I can see sort of looking backwards how those things led me to where I needed to be and made decisions for me. Mm -hmm. Like I, you know, like I said about the back in 2009, like I had, I just wanted to take care of my kids. I didn't want to work online. But being forced to write, you know, was the sort of the impetus to my my writing career. So Mm
1: -hmm. tell us about your 2013 book and your 2023 book. Tell us about those two books.
0: So the, the my first novel is called Without Fear of Falling. It's, uh, I would say, like a spiritual romance. It takes place in Tobamori, Canada, present day, and in Tobamori, Scotland, uh, 200 years ago. And so it's about a, a, a young woman who starts to have these memories of a past life and there's like things that are unresolved that um, through being regressed, she's able to sort of relive and... Um, and then through the process of, of these past life regressions, realizes that there's there are people from her former life in her present life now. And so it flashes back and forth and there's a little there's some romance and um, it's a really sweet story. I love it. And then my latest novel is actually a series of three novellas. So it's three um, shorter novels in one. Called the Sweetwood series, and it takes place in Georgia, like in the United States, and centers around a family that um, has an empire. And um, they're not the nicest people in the world, but <laughs> or at least the, the parents aren't. Some of them. The parents yeah. aren't. Um, and so it follows three different stories, all linking to the Sweetwood family. And there, there are they're three love stories, but they're also mysteries and it's a little bit suspenseful. Um, So that's that one.
1: You had shared on TikTok that the space between your two books
0: mm-hmm.
1: was also the space that you took to heal from the end of your marriage, mm-hmm. becoming a single mom, putting your writing career on hold. And then you make your way through a decade of life
2: mm-hmm.
1: and you find yourself releasing another book. And how did that feel getting your second book out in the world, comparing it to a huge upheaval in your life when your first book came out?
0: Yeah, so I found that as the the release date for my second novel was approaching, I had this like sense of dread. And mm-hmm. I couldn't quite put my finger on it. I was like, God, am I just like afraid of success? Like, what is this? And <laughs> it it took me a little while, eventually it kind of, I I realized that the release of my first novel led to this, this, you know, this sad ending in my life. um, Mm -hmm. My first marriage ending. And I had kind of picked up this belief that achieving a goal, a major goal in my life meant losing something else. So Mm. like I sort of equated success with sacrifice and, um, once I'd had that realization, I was able to just whew, breathe through it and remind myself that the two are not, not one and the same and, mm-hmm. um, that I can achieve a goal, have some success and be content and be happy and, um, and keep going. You know, it doesn't like, I don't, this, this novel came out, uh, Sweet, Sweetwood series came out in June and I'm already outlining my next novel. Mm-hmm. So that's not, it's not to say that, um, I'm not in trying to enjoy, I'm trying to avoid enjoying the Sweet, Sweetwood series coming out. It's just like I've made peace with this, this old belief and I'm going to keep going. You know, I don't need, there doesn't need to be another 10 years in between books. So.
1: Mm. Yeah.
0: But at the same time, I don't, I don't begrudge myself that time I needed that time. No.
1: How did you come to that realization? Because I think a lot of that would be subconscious, you know, like this sort of sense of dread and this sort of programming in your body, because you might must have been in survival mode Mm -hmm. in that time to say to yourself, Oh, I'm safe. We're safe. You know, how did you eventually rise, raise that to your consciousness?
0: Therapy, baby.
1: (laughs) Yeah. Therapy.
0: (laughs) And when I say therapy, like, I mean, I've had this same sort of talk therapist Mm -hmm. for 11 years off and on. So I see her kind of when I need her. Mm -hmm. And then I did EMDR in in 2020, Mm. which was so, so helpful. If anyone has anything um, traumatic that they don't necessarily want to talk about, but they know it needs to be dealt with, like reprogrammed, EMDR is your thing. And then I've done a little bit of... um, uh, somatic experiencing as well. So that's more mm-hmm. body based. And just uh, I had a one issue in particular that that helped with, but all of these things help you sort of frame your experience, your present experience through the lens of things that may th- from the past, right, that may be informing mm-hmm. your present experience. And so the more you go through therapy, the more aware you become of um, how not everything is happening to you. There's not, you know, yeah. it's not the faults of everyone else around you that you feel this way, that there are that feelings arise almost like in in this automatic response to things that happened in the past that were out of your control. So,
1: mm. your two books are very different. Very. Is that because of just the time of 10 years passing? So,
0: Sweetwood arose from wanting something really light. Mm. It was like It was the pandemic, and like I was rewatching shows that I'd seen, you know, (laughs) dozens of times, and I just I wanted something simple. There's you know, there's still an edge to them. They're not like cutesy saccharin or anything like that. No, I wanted just something simple and lovely and uh, kind of like clear, like pretty clear. The villains are villains, and and the the heroes are heroes. And it was also just I I hadn't written fiction in a long time, you know? So I wanted to try something different and and my next book's going to be even different than this past one. I, I, I don't, I thought about can sort of continuing on with the, the, the sweet romance genre, but um, I want to try something else. So I'm going to.
1: Great. Yeah. Great. I'm all for it. I love the idea as well of experimenting in your creative life. Like you had said, if you have an impulse to share yourself or to share your story that might be through a lot of different mediums mm-hmm. that might also within one medium be a lot of different methods and genres of being able to do that you know yeah exactly why three parts so sweetwood series takes place in georgia it's each story features a couple and each story features a member of the sweetwood's family
2: mm-hmm.
1: and it's told in three parts sort of over a period of time that progresses you from autumn into the holiday season mm-hmm. Where did the idea for that come from? Where did the characters come from? Why is it set in Georgia? I have all kinds of questions about the book. And it's not
0: really any, I don't really have a super interesting answer other than I wanted to have a family empire. So I just, I felt like the States and um, I never watched the show, but like in the 80s, there was those shows like Dallas and Dynasty. Okay, I was a little too young for that, but I remember them like being, you know, this And so there was that. I just remember the feel of it, and I thought I wanted to to do something like that. So that's why they're set in Georgia. And then my husband came up with the idea of like, oh, well, there's this place in Georgia called Blairsville, and their big thing is they they make sorghum. They have sorghum fields, and they make this sorghum Mm -hmm. syrup. So that's it. That's like that's the empire. It's the sorghum syrup empire. And so that's why they're they're set in Georgia. And then. As far as like why it's in three parts, it was actually originally going to be four, and then I was just like, "Ah, eh, three's enough." And my <laughs> my publisher agreed. I hadn't even finished the third when I I got the, the 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 book deal, but she was just like, "You know what? Let's let's keep it at three and make it set it around Christmas." So that's that's why um, people love a whole a holiday romance. So
1: yeah, I definitely did. Yeah, I think the characters are really identifiable you can really pace yourself through the plot. I like what you said like it is there is a very sweet romantic side to all three of the stories. I think there is a really curious like family dynamics that come into play through all three stories. There's going to be something when you read this book that you're thinking like, yeah, I see that dynamic at play or I recognize I identify with that dynamic mm-hmm. or I've seen that dynamic in other in other dimensions or my friends' lives or whatever. And mm-hmm. I think that what you said is, you know, like you you wanted something sweet. You said that that kind of came out of the pandemic a little bit and this sort of comfort. Yes. Yeah. Season.
0: Yeah. And I, I had forgotten. I, I, I said that I hadn't written fiction in a while. But that's not true. Because I was ghostwriting fiction. Okay. That was one of the things that I was doing. And I had just ghost written this like, kind of dark historical romance with like a lot of sex. And and I was just like, <laughs> I'm ready for just something sweet. Yeah. (laughs) Okay. Yeah, I completely forgot that I did that. It's so funny. Yeah. So I I was like, "Okay, did that," uh, and uh, ready for something different.
1: Now, for me, I am relating to that experience as a reader because I read a lot, Mm. and I might read like a dark historical smutty romance yeah. and then stop and then be like, I need like something other than that and pick up a different book. Exactly. But for you, this is writing. You wrote that book. Yeah. And then you needed to write a different book. Yeah. Is that also about the difference between ghostwriting and writing? Like what is the difference, I guess, for you as an author between ghostwriting and writing aside from maybe the obvious?
0: Yeah. Ghostwriting it was one of those things where I I took the, I took the gig because it helped pay the bills, mm-hmm. and I also just tried to look at it as like this is a way for me to write outside of my norm. So yes, I'd written historical mm. fiction before, but I'd never written smut, and I say smut like with as like with a ter- as a term of endearment. Like I think it's a great, sure. it's an art. Writing those scenes is an art. I had to bounce those off friends because like. <laughs> You know, you're just like, is this good? I think it's good.
1: You want to get people to feel something, absolutely. No, and I think "smut" is a word that is really embraced by the romance. It is community. Yeah, yeah. No, no. Spice. I know what you mean when They're you like, say "smut." Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah.
0: They like I'm on Book Talk now. On you know, the book side of of TikTok, and they have no shame, and they shouldn't have any shame. No, no. But they like, yeah, they fully embrace it. But but to write those scenes to to for it to feel believable for there to be chemistry for there Mm -hmm. to to, for it to connect with the reader for it to feel like it it advances the plot and it's not just like thrown in there just so you get your 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 fill kind of a thing there's an art to that so Mm -hmm. I I I applaud people who can do it and then just keep churning them out because that's that's a skill for sure and a talent but it for me it was like I don't get any credit for it I get one paycheck and it's not my name. It's under some like Kindle Unlimited author who doesn't even exist. Mm-hmm. And literally it's dozens of writers writing the series. And you Wow. <laughs> and people don't even know. You know, they might think like, oh, yeah. this is a little different than the last one in the series. That's because someone else wrote it.
1: <laughs> Fascinating.
0: <laughs> yeah. Yep. Yeah. yeah. So that was it was good to just like get to know that world a little
1: bit. Okay. Yeah.
0: And see how that works. But I the pay is not great and uh and your name's not even on at the end of the day you don't get to pick the the setting you don't you don't get a lot of creative um control for obvious reasons mm-hmm. so mm-hmm. yeah
1: I'm gonna ask a question I hope this isn't insensitive but why would someone choose to be a ghostwriter
0: uh for exactly what I said to pay the bills yeah 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 that just the it was like right at the beginning of the pandemic and there wasn't a lot like people were scared but people were still buying books yeah Mm-hmm. The yeah, the job was there. And I just thought, okay, well, I'll I'll look at it as, as a, you know, first of all, it helps pay the bills. And I'll look at it as um, a learning experience and getting mm-hmm. me back into writing. And then eventually I'll write my own. And I did.
1: You did. You did. And you're going to write more. Yeah. Would you want readers to know that, that some books are written by authors, by the author whose name is on the cover and some books are not? And should we as consumers or readers be more curious about that? Or do you think that no ghostwriting exists for a reason and published authors exist for a reason and they're both they're serving different purposes and readers should read whatever they are attracted to?
0: Yeah, I think I think people who if you're seeing an author who's writing like a book a month,
2: mm-hmm.
0: releasing a book a month, there's, mm-hmm. there's probably not one person. Maybe it is maybe it is okay but like teach their own i mean you know like i, I just wish ghostwriters were paid more that's all i don't think mm. there's anything wrong with it i think if the reader's happy they like that story some people like the same thing over and over again with just different mm-hmm. set of characters i don't think there's anything that's wrong a good with point that.
1: yeah you're right you're right
0: i just wish they would pay them more that's all. Mm,
1: is there a union or anything like that? Or it's sort of freelance?
0: <laughs> there is a writer's union. I don't belong to it. But it's not I mean, the people who are taking those jobs. They're not. Mm, fascinating. Eventually, maybe.
1: Well, thank you for indulging my curiosity. I just mm-hmm. I had to kind of follow that a little bit. The last few episodes, as I said before, have been focused on this theme of getting out of your own way and the many ways I think that we can sort of be our own obstacles to achieving the things we desire or they wish for. You released this book in 2013. You threw yourself into raising your kids as a single mom. You made your way through a decade and a pandemic and you managed to release another book. For some people, they might have said, and then I, you know, and that was my book in 2013, and I didn't publish again. Um, do you have any advice for people, you know, when it comes to sort of like continuing to pursue your passions, even through obstacles?
0: Yeah, I think I could, it just goes back to what I said earlier. I think if you can do it in tiny ways, mm. um, like looking for those those ways to share your writing. Um, I'm not a, a part of this community, but there's the Wattpad community, which is like self-published authors. I think like fan fiction, fan fiction. is a really cool yeah. way to... I've written some fan fiction because my favorite novel is Pride and Prejudice and I've oh. written lots of fan fiction around Elizabeth and Mr. Darcy. Um, so like as a, as a writer, that's, that's what I would recommend. Just finding those little communities where you can still do it at your own pace and, uh, and, and even getting feedback, right. From other readers and writers, writing groups, taking writing classes. There's lots of things online, even if it's just writing in your journal and, with the intention to share it someday, mm-hmm. I think that's cool. But just just sort of reminding yourself that like like those those little actions are build on one another. So it's not like like I didn't just write Sweetwood. Like I had sure I had another novel under my belt. I, do I think the writing in Sweetwood is better than in Without Fear of Falling? A uh, thousand percent yes. If I mm. I can't read that first novel without going like I would totally rewrite this now. <laughs> <laughs> and I think that's a pretty normal thing as an artist. But my, my point is that 10 years, there was growth. Mm-hmm. There was that daily practice of writing in whatever way that I could. There was writing for other people. There was do a lot of editing. Like I was, that was my main job uh, and still is, mm-hmm. is editing other people's manuscripts. And so I, and I'm constantly reading, you know, mm-hmm. so I'm a big reader too. So supporting whatever it is by not just like, like, the, it's not like this straight and narrow line. You're you're just, you're building your way there, but with little little side projects that end up being like part of the project and just enjoying that, enjoying that process.
1: What's at the crux of that mindset? Because I think that there's still people who might say, I'm just not gonna try. I'm just gonna, I'm gonna continue where I'm comfortable. And I'm, I just like, I can't do it. It's, it's good for Danielle, but that I can't, it's not for me. It's not, um, they talk themselves out of it.
0: I'd want to have a conversation with that. I can't do it. Where's that coming from? Mm. You know, I'd want to get curious about that can't, Mm -hmm. um, because that doesn't, that doesn't feel true to me. If you've got the impulse, So it's almost like you've got this one voice that's saying, I really want to do this. And Mm -hmm. this other voice is saying, but we can't. Yeah. And I'd want to have a conversation with that can't voice. Like what, what's, what, like why, Mm -hmm. you know, like what's, what's going on there? Is, is there some fear of having to let go of something? Is there um, a fear of discomfort? Are you afraid that people will judge you and get, just get curious about that? Because I think that I can't. When it's unexamined, mm. it, it can be very. It can it can freeze you, and um, I think becoming curious about it, as opposed to you know judging it or um, calling yourself a failure or whatever,
2: mm. getting yeah. curious
0: about what's underneath that is a way to move through it because a lot of it's going to be BS. Uh-huh.
1: Um, and <laughs> how do you know? How do you know it's BS? <laughs> You say like, well, if I write a romance novel, Danielle, what happens if my boss reads it and reads the the romance scenes? And, you know, that's what I'm scared of. So I'm not going to try. Right. I mean, I I remember a friend of mine at my book launch for the
0: first novel. Well, like after reading that, because there's like one love scene in that book, or maybe there's a couple in that first book. And my friend going like, well, I guess this is what you do. And it's like, oh, but like... (laughs) It's like, do you think that every person in this book is based on someone I know and some experience that I've had? Like, that's amateur hour. Of course, you're using your imagination. Like, of course, everyone's influenced, but you're not just writing about the people in your lives. Like, Mm. you know, you're making things up and you're influenced by movies and other books. And and then you're just you get and you get caught up in the world of your own characters. And in some cases, you'll hear many authors say this. The book starts to write itself because you're in this energetic space of these characters mm. you've created, and they're they're running the show, they're writing the scenes. And when you can get in that space, that's when being a writer is so exciting because you're just this
1: channel. Wow, I can like feel the passion coming from you as you talk about <laughs> this. That's amazing. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I think I love that to go back to that sort of examine with curiosity and non judgment. The voice that tells you you can't do it. Yeah. And ask that voice why, or what if, or what are we worried about? And is yeah. the thing that we're worried about really true? Yeah. Are we trying to preserve our own safety, but trading off on the suffering or the denial of that impulse?
2: Yeah. Because
1: that it's, it's often just doesn't go away. The doubt doesn't go away? The impulse.
0: The impulse doesn't go away. No, and it, it won't. If it's a real, if it's a true and real thing, it won't go away. Mm-hmm. And so I think that's when you have to work in favor of it. You know, that's when you have to work on its behalf Mm. to question this thing that's that's in that's in its way, you know, sort of like advocating for your kid. okay, Right. To make sure that they get like time on the field. (laughs) You know? Yeah. So I think, yeah, that's that that would be my approach is getting curious about those doubts and talk to people who are doing it. Talk to people who have overcome those doubts. Like you, you use the example of having your boss read a love scene. I have a, um, an author friend on TikTok. She's written like the smuttiest smut and it's like involves like monsters and like, it's just like so out there. It's wonderful. And she jokes about like how she's going to go to Thanksgiving dinner and like everyone's read her book and like, you know, like, so you can have fun with it. People, people can still enjoy a thing that you've written and not completely related to you Mm. and so you kind of have to give your reader the benefit of the doubt in that sense they're they're more mature than you think
1: I see I see yeah how much of it is writing for yourself and writing for an audience so
0: that that's this was a big thing for me like so I had no idea Aaron that the sweet romance readers were like as committed and like they've got their own sort of like it's its own community I had no idea and I actually had to make a decision about whether or not this I wanted to like become a part of this community and really like build my following here and there's I don't have anything against the community at all it's just I'm like no I'm going to I'm going to write what I want to write that's, that's what I decided mm-hmm. I didn't feel called to write more in that genre
2: mm-hmm.
0: you know it's it it, it is kind of limiting as far as like spice level and you know they're not big on having like divorce or affairs or anything like that in their books. So a lot of trigger warnings for things that I kind of consider everyday life. And so I've decided to, to just write something else next time. So
1: okay. Yeah. Does that involve changes with your publisher? Or um, does that feel like starting from scratch? So
0: um, I would consider myself indie published, my publisher is fairly small. And so the way that indie publishing typically works is you're, you're going book to book. Mm. So I don't necessarily have, like, I don't automatically have a, my, this publisher again for the next book.
2: Okay. Okay. Um,
0: I, it's not that I wouldn't go, like, go to them again, but that's just at, the, at this level. It's, it's more like you go book by book
1: so Mm -hmm. yeah from an indie publishing standpoint i wonder if you can talk a little bit about that for the audience who might not necessarily be paying i know what you mean but might not be paying attention to the publishing houses of the books that they read or the things that they're attracted to or what's being passed among friends certainly i think the book instagram community that i'm getting exposed to i think is probably like a lot of big publishing houses and not not very much indie mm-hmm. publishing but it's definitely out there and i think that it's propelled by book talk and by um, bookstagram and book youtube um, can you talk a little bit about those two things for the audience
0: like the differences between traditional publishing yes. and independent publishing um, yeah. so so traditional publishing i think most people that's what they're more familiar with they're thinking like someone gets an agent and you, right. maybe you get a, a multi-book deal. You have an advance. Um, that's a, a little less common these days. Um, and mm-hmm. and to get to the to the level of most of the books that you're probably your audience is probably exposed to, it's it's kind of like I don't want to say it's kind of like winning the lottery. It's but it, it's it's not easy, mm-hmm. and um, it can take a lot of. It obviously it takes talent, but it takes a lot of luck. Uh, meeting the Mm. right people. It takes a lot of tenacity Um, Mm -hmm. and not that independent people are published independently, don't have those, those qualities. And then it it comes down to how much time an author wants to spend on querying agents. Um, Mm -hmm. So independent publishing is usually with smaller houses. They publish small, like uh, less books in a year. You don't always need an agent and it's a very collaborative process, but there's but the the author does the majority of of the promotion. The the smaller mm-hmm. houses publishing houses ten, typically don't have the budget for those kinds right, of right. things. So you get like your cover, and they'll edit it, and they'll help you, you know, here and there. But you're primarily responsible for promoting the book. Mm. You know, whereas with the the big traditional publishers, there is more support, but usually after you've had some success. So right. to be plucked out of obscurity, and then have yeah. this bestseller, it doesn't usually happen that way. It does usually right. take some time. So yeah, I, I mean, will a reader know the difference just by picking up a book? Probably not. Um, I think the quality is the same to me.
2: Mm-hmm. Um, I read mm-hmm. both
0: independently published. And and um, so an independent publishing isn't the same as self publishing. So that's, that's a whole other thing. And it's exactly what it sounds like. A third. Yeah. Right. And there's, there's good quality books there too. So I think at the end of the day, um, readers read what they like. And I think yeah. the cool thing about bookstagram and Talk is that there are, the playing field is a little more level. There are definitely mm-hmm. people who are like, purposely singing the praises of independently published books because They found some that they really love and they they are passionate about getting them out there. And that, how cool is that?
1: Yeah, it's great. So
0: I think, um, as an author, would I like to be traditionally published one day? Sure. Yeah. Mm -hmm. But I, I don't know. I'm not also not going to wait around. Like, Mm -hmm. so I I don't know. But by the time I'm ready to query this next book, who knows what I'll, Mm -hmm. I I may even self publish, you know? Because once Mm -hmm. an author gets a following, People, you get to the point where people are waiting for your next book. and so do you really need to jump through all the hoops of of um, traditional publishing to get that book out there two years later? That's another thing like a lot of traditionally published books take a long time to get published. yeah whereas yeah. self-publishing once you've written it and had it edited and proofread, you know you can upload it, get your cover um, and it can be out there to your fans relatively quickly within months. so
1: mm-hmm. yeah, there's a lot mm-hmm. to
0: consider. Wow.
1: Danielle, you had said that you at the beginning of the episode, we said, you know, you're a writing coach and an author. Um, What's the writing coach side?
0: So interestingly enough, my editing and writing coaching is done almost exclusively in nonfiction. So self-help, wellness, memoir, Mm -hmm. that kind of thing. So it's kind of funny that I you know, personally, I write fiction, but it, my, my, my main source of income comes from, from nonfiction. And it is different. It's a different process. It's a different process when you're trying to get it published. And it's a different process, I feel, when you're writing. And so, I, but I love doing it because it's still, especially memoir, it still comes down to storytelling. It's just that the, the story that you're telling is your own. And so I'm very familiar with that doubting voice because I get to a lot mm-hmm. of people at the very early stages, either they're they've got this idea for a book, or they've got this manuscript, but they're like, I don't know if it's any good, you know, (laughs) that's where I spend a lot of my time is just, you know, encouraging people to keep going and recognizing the editing process, the coaching process as as a collaborative one, like we're here to make you sound as good as possible. And to make your reading as digestible as possible. And, and to really elevate your story so that it's understood and felt and can, connected um, with your reader.
1: How much does the editing world influence your writing world, understanding that you're editing in nonfiction, but you're writing in fiction as the craft of a writer to read other people's evolving works? Yeah, I
0: think I'm I'm pretty good at being able to um, leave out extraneous things. That's probably a skill that I brought in. One of my main sources of advice for for writers with their first draft is to not edit as you go. And I need to follow that advice. <laughs> okay. It's hard for me to leave like a sentence that needs a comma, for instance, or things like that. And but sometimes I have to make myself because I don't want to lose my momentum. Yeah. Yeah. It just gives me a keener eye. Really, that's what it comes down to. Mm-hmm,
1: mm-hmm. Where do you write? When do you write? What does it feel like? How do you get yourself in the mood? Are you a pen and paper person? Are you a, a laptop? Are you a desktop person? Are you writing on your phone? Laptop. Yeah.
0: And uh, like I wrote my first novel in my bed with my son playing with his little cars beside me. Um, so it, like it, it doesn't have to be anywhere special. I don't need um, to be secluded. Not that there's anything wrong with that. you could do it, you, you do you, whatever you need to do. Um, I can write anywhere. I think, and, um, I just sort of make the decision to write and I can, I can do it, but that's, that's years and years and years of just doing it. So, yeah, you know, not everyone operates that way. I deal with, have clients day in and day out that, that need certain conditions in order to write. They need to schedule the time in and they need a super quiet space and time blocked off so that the, their partners with their kids, like, and that's, that's totally cool. Whatever you need to do.
1: I want to go back to this one thing that you said early in the morning, which was, you know, you couldn't lend any more strength to something that wasn't going to make you money. Mm-hmm. And you pivoted your writing career, you put your writing career on hold while still feeding the author within you mm-hmm. over time. At a certain point, you had to decide that season was over mm-hmm. and that you could actually invest your time in something that wasn't going to make you money. How did you find the permission to do that?
0: Grief. Grief. It sounds kind of weird, but I really just had to grieve because when you, when you commit to something, um, so wholeheartedly, either out of necessity or whatever it is for me, it was necessity. Like I had to commit to supporting my, my family and my kids. Yeah. And then, and then that sort of, that need sort of wanes OK, that for me personally, uh, there was a, a period of grief of just recognizing, oh, right. My, my daughter's in university now. Um, My, uh, you know, my son has a part time job and, and is on the football team and he's got all these things that he doesn't need me there daily. Like for me, the grief was necessary of letting go of that time and then and then really embracing, no, oh, like I, I have time that I didn't have mm-hmm. before and I don't. I don't need to fill it with things that make me money because I. I do. I'm at a point in my career where the work is steady, and mm-hmm. um and I'm even having to ter- to turn some people away. So j- I think just again, cu- it comes down to awareness of where you're mm-hmm. at and embracing that that season. So I, I have a. I'm a in a season now where I have more time and space, and
1: um, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. just try to embrace it. That's great. Danielle, where can people find you uh, if they want to connect further? Yeah, so um,
0: I am fairly active on Instagram, uh, at Danielle's writing and TikTok, same at Danielle's writing. I um, have a newsletter on Substack. And my website is more like working with me like as a writing coach or an editor. And that's WritingMiracles.me.
1: Okay, and we'll put all of that in the show notes. Thank you. Danielle, thank you so much for coming on the show. I really appreciate your story and your vulnerability. And I love the Sweetwood series book that it was great. I would totally recommend it. It's perfect for this time of year. If you've got your Christmas tree up, or you're going to have your Christmas tree up, or maybe you don't have a Christmas tree, but you're enjoying the twinkle lights of the season. It's totally perfect with perfect pairing for a cup of hot cocoa and some fuzzy socks. It's, it's a great book. I'm really grateful to have had you on the show, you know, your vulnerability and exploring your process and what it's borne out for you as an author. And thanks for coming on the show today. Well, thanks so much for having me, Erin. This was awesome. All right, everyone, that wraps up today's show. I'm your host, Erin. This is Medium Lady Talks. I want to thank our guest, Danielle Hines, today for being on the show. I want to remind you, for if you're listening, that you're doing such a good job. And thank you so much for spending your time with me and my guest today. I know that your time is precious to you. And it means a lot to me that you would spend some of it with this podcast. I love you very much. And I'll talk to you again later. Bye. Thanks so much for listening to Medium Lady Talks, created and produced by me, Erin Vandevin. If you want more of the general vibe, gratitude and encouragement from this episode, please come and find me on Instagram at medium.lady. And since you've made it to the end, I'd love to get to know you even better. Screenshot this episode so you can share it on Instagram and be sure to tag me so that we can chat. Thanks for listening. Remember, you're doing such a good job. Your place in this world can only be filled by you. I'll see you in the next episode. Bye.